Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz do it again. They win again. They beat the shorthanded Los Angeles Clippers. Beat them handily. Blow them out in the fourth quarter. Uh, the key to the game, though, really came early when the Jazz found out, well, not only is Kawhi Leonard not playing because he's out long-term rehabbing that ACL that he tore in the playoffs last year, but the two guys who we told you were questionable yesterday morning didn't play. No Paul George. No Nick Batum. That's a lot of talent on the sideline. So the Jazz had a six-point lead at halftime, pushed it to double digits in the third quarter. Clippers made a little rally, got it down to single digits, and got it to seven, and Donovan hit a three to put the Jazz up ten. And they ended up pulling away and winning big. We will get to the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up later in this hour. But first, college football signing day. Kalani Sitaki and his coordinators doing a Zoom press conference from Shreveport, Louisiana, where they're getting ready to play the Independence Bowl Saturday afternoon. Here are the Cougars on signing day. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Uh, we're excited to announce our signing class of the 2022, um, 2022 early signing period. Um, we've signed 19 players. We're really excited about the the, uh, the the various groups and talent that we see in this group in, in this signing class, and really excited about the speed as well. So uh, there's there's a number of players that are um, going to be contributors and can compete for starting spots right away. And there's others that are, uh, you know, we're going to see in the future after missions, which is not uh, it's not too uh, it's not too it's not new to what we do here with our program. So um, also want to. I have I have uh, A Rod, Ed Lamb, and, and uh, E are here with me to answer any questions you guys may have. But wanna before we do that, just want to express our our gratitude and appreciation to everyone that allowed this to happen with the signing class, the families of the of the recruits for trusting us with with their with their uh, sons, and uh, we're looking forward to to our, that relationship with them. Also, want to thank everybody that was involved in in the recruiting process. Um, their coaches and and uh, their administrators at administrators at their school. Also, want to thank um, our, our university, our, our administration. I, I know that our uh, uh, the leaders in our administration, upper campus, with Kevin Worthen and, and uh, Keith Working being available for our, for our recruits on the, on their trips. Also, uh, a number of staff and faculty um, professors at the school being able to be there for our, for our recruits and answer any questions they may have. And so um, and finally, I want to thank our players for uh, being great ambassadors for our program and, and uh, connecting with these young men and, and, and making sure that they're a great fit for us and uh, kind of being, being a good uh, sounding board to any of the questions that our, our uh, recruits may have within the culture of the team and, and how we do things. And so uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing these guys. I mean, that's, the game is that uh, you know we, we feel like we can add add depth and provide talent and, and, and add on the talent part of it. And there's tons of guys here that, that are physical and have have a lot of skill. Um, and so we're looking forward to, to, to getting in them in, into our, our campus and working with our uh, with our strength conditioning group and everybody that we have uh, available to, to make sure that they're the best uh, student athlete we can get. Um, well, finally, well, I also want to thank our, our support staff and their hard work. Uh, John Swift, our DFO, and Jack DeMooney that, that works with all our, our relations. And um, finally, Jason Ayu does a great job uh, with our recruiting and, and handles a lot of, I mean, he does a lot of things for our for our recruits and, and for our student athletes. So thankful for them, too. So any questions you guys may have, you just ask uh, specifically, and I'll hand the mic over. 
Hey, Coach, thanks. If you're joining us late, we'll take um, one question at a time per person, and then if you direct it specifically to an individual coach. And then if we have additional time, we need to try to wrap up at about five minutes, too. So if we have additional time, we'll um, go around a second time. We'll start with Jared Lloyd and then Alex. Lonnie, this recruiting class is almost exclusively from Utah, a couple of guys from outside, but but very Utah heavy. Is is the 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 talent in Utah just increasing where that fills the needs that you guys are looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing we're going to do is look close to home. And, and um, uh, you know, a big part of that is us being able to run camps this summer and, and see the guys, uh, you know, before the second class before was just more of evaluation. That was all done without um, during the pandemic without really doing the official visits. So uh, we got on it early with these guys. I mean, I, I have to thank our staff and our, our coaches for, 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 you know, recruiting and evaluating our players and then being able to just make that connection with them and their families. A, a good number of this of this uh, class uh, committed early. So um, this happens that they, a good number of them came from the state of Utah. I think we're always going to look close to home first and then branch out from there. And we're still looking to sign, um, you know, uh, still a number of players that are out there specifically in the defensive backfield we're looking to sign as well. So we have another signing day, but I think at BYU, our, our bigger signing period is going to be the early signing one in December. Then we'll, uh, we'll still work throughout the year. You saw what happened last year. We still work throughout the year recruiting and trying to get uh, the right individuals here that can fit and then fill our needs, but also fit our program and, and give us the, the depth that we need. So, by the way, we're looking all a little bit rough. We just got done with practice, so uh, I'm speaking for myself. These guys look great all the time, especially Iran. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Coach, you had a few players um, signed with BYU today that had previously been committed elsewhere um, throughout, you know, the recruitment for for whatever reason. When when there's a player that you guys are recruiting that has already verbally committed somewhere else, and then they reopen their recruitment, what is the process like of trying to get that recruit actually to come to BYU and sign with you guys? I think the the main thing is that we we keep. Uh, you know, a great relationship with them and their family. And so uh, when this all, when it all comes down to it, the, the decision is going to be made for them to go where they feel like there's the best place for them. And we have a number of guys on our team that, that chose to go other places and came back here. You know, so I give credit to our coaches for having that great relationship with them. And then also being open to, to hearing what, you know, when someone wants to change and make a move to come here, uh, being open to, to make it work. And so, um, I think the connection we, we have with, with the families makes it a lot easier to make that adjustment. Next, we'll take questions from Sean and then Jake. Kalani, you touched on, on speed a little bit. And actually, maybe I'll direct this one at A-Rod because you, Kalani touched on speed a little bit um, and how much faster you guys got. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking in particular, you brought in guys like Cody and Dom to really bolster kind of the the perimeter it sounds like to get a lot faster was was that just a, a big focus of this class was trying to get those quick agile guys to kind of liven up the attack i guess i wouldn't say it was more of a focus than it is in the past but um it just so happened that this year there were some really fast in-state guys in track you know there, there were some great track times last spring and um, we were able to add several of those guys to our team and so um you know, I, I can't remember a time in my coaching career where there were better track times uh, 
than last spring. Maybe, maybe there was, but I don't remember that. I don't remember a year that was better than that. And, you know, we were fortunate to add several of those guys that were running really good times to play receiver for us or, or you know, we'll see, we'll see where everybody ends up, what positions they're going to play, but really, really excited about it. My question is also for A-Rod. Aaron, there's no quarterback in this class, but I do know you guys added a quarterback in the transfer portal last summer. Is that kind of the trade-off as you did not take a quarterback so far in this class? Exactly. That was, uh, that was the idea. That, um, so we, we were able to uh, get a quarterback in the portal, and so now we feel like we're full there unless, unless somebody chooses to go elsewhere, then we'll – you know, we'll always try to keep it full, but we're always looking for the best QBs we can get. And we're, that's, uh, that was one of the things that Kalani and I agreed on when he hired me was we're going to keep that room as full as we can with the best quarterbacks we can find. And then the competition just brings the best out of Let's take questions now from Mitch and then um, Jay. This question's for Kalani. Uh, Kalani, we're seeing a lot in college football, a lot of programs – holding off on signing uh, high school players to land transfer portal prospects. How many spots maybe in the February period or, or spring uh, do you plan on leaving open for potential transfer portal additions? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not tied down to a number, so I know there's a limit, but we're going to try to get the, uh, the team to be as, as uh, developed as possible. And so if that means adding certain players, I don't know if we'll make a great living off of the portal, but we, we know that if they're going to come here, they're probably going to contribute right away. And if you look at the the players that have uh, gone to the portal and transferred here, it's a good, uh, I mean, as far as the percentage of those guys contributing and playing, we have a good track record right now. So that's what it comes down to. But I don't think we're going to make a statement on how many we're looking to keep open for transfer portal with us, but I, I, I know one thing in the recruiting process, we want to get it right the first time, so we want to, don't want someone to think that they can just go somewhere and then just turn around and make BYU as the, the, the destination if it doesn't work out. So uh, I think we do our, our job as recruiters and as a coaching staff and make sure that we get the right right young men here the first time, and that's, that's, that's the goal. All right, there's Kalani Sataki. Some of his comments, if you want to hear them all, go wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I think that's about half of what he had to say. That was a pretty long, uh, pretty long chat they had with the media there. And we'll hear from Kyle Winningham coming up next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Signing day in the books. The youth sign 20 players and also hold some scholarships back so they can bring in some uh, guys from the transfer portal. Here's Kyle Whittingham with the media. Okay. Uh, like every team in the country, we feel really good about our class. Um, I think that's uh, a theme throughout the whole nation. But, but uh, we really feel that uh, we 
got some real good players uh, that were on the fence, uh, uh, you know, to sign today. And, and uh, I think obviously a great deal of that has to do with the success we had late in the season, uh, winning the Pac-12 championship. Uh, first and foremost was probably the biggest factor in uh, getting these guys that were on the fence to, to come our way. So we feel like uh, we took care of most all our needs. We held back, uh, you know, uh, several scholarships for portal uh, slash late qualifiers, whatever uh, comes about in the uh, next, uh, what, nine, ten months because recruiting is never over anymore with the portal in place. You can take <clears throat> players all the way up uh, through fall camp. And so uh, I think we struck the right balance with getting the guy signed now, yet having X amount of scholarships left over for, for needs that arise that are unforeseen. Uh, when you break it down, uh, 10 offensive players were signed, 10 defensive players. Uh, 18 of those 20 total players were high school kids. Uh, a couple transfers, uh, four-year transfers. Um, no junior college players, at least not as of yet. Possibility that uh, you know that we may go that route uh, for you know with the scholarships we have left. Um, you know, helped ourselves at, at a lot of spots. Quarterback, you know, we're thin at quarterback, uh, losing, <coughs> having a, a quarterback transfer out. And so we had uh, two quarterbacks that we targeted and, and had commitments commitments from early, Nate Johnson and Brandon Rose. Excited about those guys. I uh, feel like we have two of the best linebackers in the West, maybe in the country, in Justin Medlock and Lander, Lander Barton. Those guys are, are really good. And so really excited about, about getting those guys in the fold. Uh, some big offensive linemen, uh, Tyler Canock, Keith Olson, big six foot six plus, three uh, hundred pound plus guys that uh, are you know what you look for lengthwise in the offensive line. Uh, terrific running back and Jalen Glover uh, from Florida, six thousand over six thousand yards rushing in his career, over two thousand yards this year. Uh, I think those stats are correct. Is that right, Bobby? So so just a tremendous player. Reminds me a lot of Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, same same dimensions. You know, five seven, about two ten. Um, by no means to see, you know, where Maurice was in, you know, by uh, his career in college, but he's got a chance to be very good and, and the same style of play as Maurice. Uh, added a couple tight ends, both of them four-year transfers uh, with departure of, uh, you know, some of our tight ends. That'll, that'll help us there, continue to uh, to uh, be very strong at that position. Wideouts really helped ourselves. Teo Johnson, Ryan Peppins, Chris Reed with another one or two that will be named uh, in the ensuing, you know, time period, we you got to wait until all the the eyes uh, are dotted and the T's are crossed. But but uh, feel very good about that defensive end. Got some speed rushers, Kaeo Akana from Hawaii and Chase Kennedy from Texas. Good players. A corner, Elijah Davis. Uh, a couple safeties that we needed. Uh, Jocelyn Malaska from uh, Oklahoma and uh, Sione Vaki. He was a, a missionary, a church mission uh, served a church mission. We signed him actually two years ago. He's back and he'll be joining us. Um, D tackles, local kid, Dallas Vakalahi. He will also be serving a church mission, so we won't see him for a couple years, but he's a, a guy we're excited about. And Keanu Tanavasa, who's coming back off a mission. So the kind of the revolving door, guys leaving, guys coming back, uh, all balances out, but we feel like we're we're uh, in a good spot with those missionaries. And then athlete, Carson uh, Tabarachi. He's, he's uh, just a, you know, we're not sure where he's going to play. He's going to play somewhere, I promise you that, but we're not sure if it's going to be tight end, running back, linebacker. He's a guy that could play several spots. And uh, so
So we're excited about him as well. So excited about the whole class. And uh, like I said, we really feel like we helped ourselves and still have the ability to uh, patch up any holes that uh, may occur in the roster or position groups as you move forward and guys uh, decide to exit if we have any of those. So I think I covered every guy, two, four, five, seven, nine, 11, 12, 13, Yep, all the guys that we can talk about right now, I believe I covered. So questions? Kyle, do you expect any more business today or even through the end of the week in terms of Yes, uh, probably, well, one for sure today, but it's kind of, you know, we, we have two things we want to adhere to. Number one, they have to be cleared and signed and, and processed with our compliance with the NC2A. And number two, at the player's request, some don't want to announce just yet. They want to wait until, uh, you know, maybe they're having a, a, their own announcement party or whatever. So we want to make sure we satisfy those two requirements and, or requests. Uh, first one a requirement, second one a request. And so, yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, we should have uh, another sign today, but wh when we announce it, we'll be up to the, the signee. Now, as far as the backers go, Brandon Lander was obviously a, a big key, but with you guys only losing <coughs> Nephi, but then you guys also have Karen Reed, Ethan Calvert, Mason Tufaga, guys like that down the line. Yeah, we always want to be up to the numbers. Uh, we have a budgeted number for each position group, and uh, we were down a couple numbers when, when you talk about Devin Lloyd moving on, maybe uh, Nephi, and and so we uh, felt like those two guys were exactly you know what we needed, and and uh, we feel like we really bolstered that position group. It's going to make for great competition, and uh, that always brings out the best in everybody is competition. And where, where does Lander uh, you know, stack up against when, when, when you watch his film compared to Cody? He uh, Cody was was not quite as college ready uh, when he was in high school. He was a little undersized. He worked his tail off to put on the weight when he got here. But Lander has got a much bigger frame. He's a couple inches taller, probably 15 pounds heavier than Cody was coming out of high school. And so, uh, and to take nothing away from Cody, he was a terrific linebacker for us. But we think Lander's upside is tremendous. Kevin, this is the first year you've gotten Chad. Of this is, is in the recruiting process. It seems mm -hmm. like you're able to get in the doors of a lot of receivers this year. How do you feel like he's he's been able to kind of add to your recruiting pool? Very well. He's, he's done a great job. He works hard. He's a, <coughs> a tireless recruiter. Um, has a great rapport with the players, seems to really connect with uh, with his recruits. And, and you see right here, we have three right now. We're going to get another one or two before it's all over. With, with that, kind of following up on that, you've got a lot of guys that can potentially play on both sides of the ball. You do, you, <coughs> at this point in, the, in this time, do you feel like you've got a good idea of that? Or are you, are you kind of thinking some of these guys expecting to switch maybe some of them? Uh, we've got a pretty good idea where we think everyone's going to end up, but uh, for like Carson Tabaracci, we don't know for sure. And so, uh, fortunately, a lot of these guys, uh, nine of these guys are here at mid-year, which allows you to try them at different spots in spring, which is a huge advantage and a huge luxury to be able to uh, find a, you know their best and their, their highest ceiling position during spring. That way, when you head into summer and fall, you've already got that set. Uh, this is the fifth year the early signing period has been in place. I guess there's some talk now at the higher levels about maybe doing away with the early signing. Mm -hmm. From your standpoint as a head coach, I'm curious if you're in favor of this early signing. I am personally because uh, it, uh, you know, it, it, it 
tends to accelerate, well, it does accelerate things, and, and I think it really favors and helps out programs that have stability in their coaching staffs because they're not scrambling. And then when the coaching changes occur, they don't have as much time to recruit. And so selfishly, uh, I think it's good for us. And so that's, uh, that's our take on it. But when you look at some of the offer sheets in the class, there's the guy at Lander Barton, an extensive offer sheet. Carson Tavarachi, another extensive offer sheet. What does it say about your program or where you're at? It says that our brand is becoming stronger. We're, we're building the brand year by year, and uh, we're getting in just about every single door that we want to get in. Now, we're not getting all the players, obviously. you got to still battle and try to get them signed, but but we're getting in doors every year. There's It's getting to the point where there's almost no door that we can't at least get, you know, get in or get some interest from the player because our name is starting to be uh, much more, uh, you know, it's just more prominent out there. Uh, it seemed, I, I don't know if I can, you know, I'd have to go back and look at it, but it seems like you were much more diverse in, in the sense of going all over the country this year. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that kind of your plan to try to be more national, or are you still kind of trying to focus on those main areas? Well, we still have our footprint that is the primary areas uh, in-state is where it all starts. we got three in-state guys this year that we're, we're signing that we feel really good about. Southern California and California in general always be a big uh part of what we do in recruiting Texas but yeah we're, we're expanding uh, and trying to I'm not it's not a concerted effort to go national but I just think our name is, as we just talked about is becoming more nationally recognized and, and players in Florida particularly in Florida we've had really good success with a lot of players out of that state and our name is is uh, pretty good down there because of the success that uh, those players have had Zach Moss Tyler Huntley Damari Simpkins I mean just to name a few uh- how did winning the Pac-12 championship and, and going to the Rose Bowl help you sort of in the pitches and sort of these late flips? helps tremendously. The, the best thing you can do for recruiting and the thing that can make the biggest impact is winning. You know, it's, it's great to have uh, coaches that can evaluate and that can develop relationships with players, but if you want to say what is the one thing that boosts recruiting more than anything else, it's winning. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. When you are recruiting and you're talking to especially parents and high school coaches, how much do you point to a guy like Devin who, who came in here as as one thing and is leaving it as quite a different thing. It's, we use that, uh, not use it, but we uh, illustrate that to, to a lot of the players that we recruit. And, and uh, you know, we've had their services throughout the country that rate you as far as your development of players within your program. And we always come out very high in those services. And we, we make sure that, that that's just another selling point that we use. And uh, we lean on to uh, convince these guys that if they come here, they get a great chance to develop into the best player they can become. How difficult is it to manage, when you talk about budgeting spots for your position groups, how difficult is it to manage that throughout the season? More so now with the portal than it used to be. It used to be once your roster was set, very little change. I mean, you might have a guy or two here and there quit, but uh, it is much more volatile now, much more movement, and uh, obviously that's for the entire country. That's I'm not speaking for us in particular, but uh, it's uh, you can have a position group decimated pretty quickly with two or three transfers in the same you know within the same position group, and so that's why we held back, like I said, X amount of scholarships to uh, patch any holes that might uh, arise. Now, this isn't recruiting, but Devin barely missed out on uh, 
I know. What that, does that say to you? That says that there's one group out there that uh, doesn't evaluate as well as the others, I guess, because he was, I can't, I can't even fathom that he is not a first-team All-American in everybody's eyes, but, but each, everyone has their own opinion, and I guess that was that entity's opinion, and so you move on. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Devin Lloyd is going to be a, a terrific pro player, and he's got a, a bright future, so even though that's a little bit of a disappointment, that won't phase him. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate you. You, you said nine early signees? Nine. nine. Not early signees, nine, but early, early enrollees. Yep. Nine guys will be here uh, January. There's Kyle Whittingham on signing day. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show as they win their eighth straight game. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz take down the Los Angeles Clippers. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your game recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz have now won eight consecutive games. Jake Scott with you. 124 to 103. The Jazz beat the Clippers. Big night from Donovan Mitchell. 27 points on 10 of 15 shooting. Six assists for Donovan as well. Four Jazz players with 20 points or more. Donovan with 27. Rudy uh, had 20 and 17 boards. Bogdanovich with 20. And Jordan Clarkson with 21 coming in off the bench. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. They were doing some really good things offensively. And, you know, I thought our guys did a better job really the whole second half of, of locking in. And, you know, we had a couple small stretches where we turned the ball over and they made us pay for it. But other than that, I thought, you know, with a few exceptions, we were pretty consistent defensively. And, you know, when we do that, we're able to, you know, get out and get some shots on the other end. Given how offensively talented this team is, just their ability to pour it on in stretches. I mean, is it hard to kind of, get that message to, to sink home sometimes of like maintaining defensive consistency? Um, you know, the times, they're, they're – the correlation between us playing defense and, you know, going on runs offensively is, you know, it's not one-to-one, but it's pretty close. So, um, you know, I think our understanding that when we do get stops that, you know, we can take advantage of them on the other end. Um, should be an incentive. Um, but to your point, um, that's something I think we've talked about and we've seen progress with where, you know, we don't, you know, let up with our concentration and our execution um, because that that's when our offense actually, you know, hurts our defense as opposed to, you know, the other way around where our defense is helping our offense. This team made its most strikes defensively. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, at the beginning of the year and in, up until recently is in transition. You know, we just weren't, we weren't, it was a lot of things. We weren't, we weren't urgent enough um, at the outset. Um, you know, we were running back to men, you know, when we need to run back to protect the paint. You know, no one really has a man in transition. Um, I thought we were, you know, mentally we weren't, going from offense to defense. We were kind of lingering on the offensive end, thinking about whatever, you know, didn't happen or should have happened and you know, didn't have our focus there. So that that would be the primary thing um, where guys are just locked in from the beginning of the possession. So, um, you, know, and, you know, other than that, I think, you know, just the general focus, you know, I, I think it is important to us. Um you know, it's not like we're a bad defensive team, you know, but 
we look like a bad defensive team when we don't get back, you know, because that's something that, you know, if, particularly if our bigs are trailing the play and we don't have that rim protection, um, people are attacking the rim. So we really have to make an effort to, you know, get them to quit on those initial thrusts and, and then get people in half court and, and try to lock in and guard. And by the way, they're a very good defensive team. I mean, I, and without obviously two, um, you know, not counting Kawhi, obviously, who's elite, um, you know, with PG and, and Batum both, you know, the way that they guard is, you know, I think they're one of the best defensive teams that we've seen. You know, we were fortunate. We shot it pretty well tonight and, you know, did some good things, but you can see why, you know, that their, their defense is rated as high as it is. They really get after it. Have you seen Donovan's change of pace developed over kind of the course of his career, and especially recently to get him kind of the looks that he got tonight? Yeah, I think you know the, the the decision you know early in the possession of whether or not to explode and try to attack the rim, even from the backcourt, um, which sometimes is there where you can just get by people with speed, um, to recognizing when that's not there and being patient as, as he crosses the midcourt line. And then you have another opportunity, you know, to, to do that, whether it's rejecting and pick and roll or turning the corner. Um, so those two situations, you know, at the beginning of a possession. And then obviously I think, you know, we've talked about his reads and pick and roll where I thought he did an excellent job tonight of, you know, mixing up the off the dribble three when the bigs were able to really get a hit and that was open. And then, you know, also attacking the rim, you know, and finishing or finding people. So I thought he, you know, he played a really balanced game offensively tonight. There's coach Snyder after uh, his team wins 124 to 103. Let's now move on to the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert. You know, Ryan getting open shots, getting the rim, getting fouled, uh, share the ball. I mean, it was, it was nice. Um, I think in the first half we we like we had a few times when we didn't run back as quick as we could, and uh, I feel like that, that was hard. It was staying in the game. Uh, second half we did a great job. Uh, either you're fighting right away or making sure that we run back and communicate, and uh, that, that's why I think we. We got stops. Is there a that takes place between people at some point and they were not doing enough of that or just kind of <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, at halftime, obviously, we we felt like we could do better in that area. And, uh, and yeah, throughout the game, you can feel, you know, you can feel like uh, individually and, and then collectively, but everyone can feel that they can do a little better. And, uh, and we do it. I mean, we, we try to hold each other accountable, but at the same time, you know, it's going to come within ourselves and uh you know we it's good to see that we are uh pretty much on the same page on that you had a lot of these long winning streaks during your time here how does this one kind of compare to the other ones i think that's probably the first time that when we don't really care like about the winning streak you know we just uh we just care about getting better and obviously we want to win every game but uh 
winning them in a row is not really, you know, we, we try to win every night. And uh, more importantly, we just try to get better. And uh, there might be some games when we play really well and we might not win. And th there's going to be games when we play, we don't play well, but we're going to win. So, you know, it's all about the mindset and, uh, and getting better every night. As well as you have all season at this point yeah. right now? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I think since the New Orleans game, uh, something shifted in our mindset. We realized that, uh, like, we could be a much better team if we if we play. Obviously, if we move the ball and share the ball, but also if we run back on defense. And uh, the transition defense has been, I, I think, was uh, the difference between us being a top ten defense and us being like a top two or top one defense. So it's, uh, you know, I think we changed that. And uh, tonight, first half was a little, a little rough, but. Uh, we were able to, you know, correct it. And then second half was great. Uh, it was cool. It was cool. The crowd was into it. You know, I, I try to, uh, yeah, just, just having fun, you know, just try to, try to enjoy the moment. Put a little bit of maybe extra motivation going to this one. I mean, I know that they're down. I mean, it's human, obviously. Uh, you know, when you're losing someone in the playoffs, like people are going to ask you questions about it and stuff. But uh, I think our team, our, our team is first of all, Paul George and Batum didn't play, and Kawhi is hurt, so uh, it's not the same team that beat us in the playoffs. But uh, for us, it's really about keeping it better. And obviously, we want to win every night. You know, we we compare those, but we understand that there is a bigger picture, and uh, you know, we're gonna we want to keep getting better. You mentioned that early on, the scoring just wasn't about the level that it matched up as a defense, and then it got kind of turned off. Is there something different that happened, or is it just a matter no, of starting to go? Ahead? I say that, but actually, I, I feel like we played in the right way. I mean, I feel like we're moving the ball. Uh, you know, it's just that when when I say not as good, it means it was good, but it wasn't as great as it was later on. When we, I mean, we we just uh, pretty much made the right play every time. You know, the guys were already uh, uh, making the right read when uh, when they help on the B. We we had threes, threes, and when they didn't, we got dunks. There's Rudy, twenty points, seventeen boards, two block shots, three assists for Rudy Gobert. He had another monster night. Let's now hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. What a, you know, the last seven minutes, you guys kind of took it to another level offensively. What changed in that kind of moment that led to it? I mean, even even defense, defensively, beside uh, beside the first quarter, they scored more than thirty points, and then a couple of minutes in uh, in the third quarter when they had a couple fast break points, I think that we did a Pretty pretty solid job. Rudy was was dominating the pain, but uh, last seven seven minutes, like you mentioned, they they start to to double Donovan and and, and kind of kind of blitz him, and he did a did a great job moving the ball and and, and fighting the the open guys in court. Get this back to back three. Just, you touched the ball, and you just let it go, and nothing but net. Do you feel like when you're can you tell, like, when you're in that big group shooting the ball, that it's just like that instantaneous? I mean, it's just just instinct. I'm trying to get my to get my threes up. I had a couple in a, in the second quarter as, as well, but like I said, I had last last two threes because they they double they double Donovan and he made a great great play. So.
Rudy said that, like on the wind street right now, that the mindset has changed with the team. Where like maybe in the past you might have been like really excited about maybe extending the wind streak longer and longer, but now it's like you don't really care how long the wind streak is, just that you are getting the wins because you guys aren't thinking about that every single night. What's that kind of mindset change for you? I mean, nothing. I don't think that anything change change for us. We are trying to play to play better each game and and and, and kind of kind of get better get better as a team we had a before this winning streak we had a really really problems in the defensive defensive transition last last couple of games we've been one of the best teams in a in a league in in defensive transition so it's just like step by step getting getting better in a, in aspect that we are we are not right right where we want to be that's the that's our mindset and then if we win the if we win the game it's even it's even better but i think it's most important it's more important than uh, than this winning string it's it's getting getting better each game those second quarter threes like came with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock right like super early in, in transition would you have felt confident like taking those threes on other situations that you've been in you know like or because the transition three is such an important part of the Jazz's offense, do you feel like you're more comfortable taking those than you otherwise would be? I mean, it's it's big emphasis from a, from a coaching coaching standpoint to, to trying to play play with a with a kick ahead and and trying to shoot those those early three, especially me, JC, and uh, and uh, and a Joe because Mike and Donovan are mostly handling and playing in a, in a pick and roll but like i said we are we are all i think confident taking those those early trees there there are other teams that have good playmakers like you do like good shooters like you what's setting this team apart in terms of its offense production i mean it's just just an unselfishness from our from our point guard like I, like i said and, and and just Donovan being Donovan and and, and having team double him and, and and blitz him, it's allow allow us to play to play four and three on on other side. So I think that that's that was biggest part of this game. I mean, I had a couple bad bad shots or bad layups tonight. Obviously, they blocked me. They block my shot twice, so I gotta gotta be better. Start to use like pump fake or or, or jump stop, and then play off two feet. But uh, but overall, yeah, I, f- I feel pretty confident going to the basket as well. There's Bogdanovich, twenty points, great night shooting for him. Seven of ten from the field, six of seven from three. Let's now wrap things up with Donovan Mitchell. Your change of pace was really effective. Uh, eight of eight from inside the arc. How is that kind of your your time? You've talked about how you want to change your timing this year and kind of make it kind of a weapon for you. How does that happen? Just trying not to be predictable. I think it's the biggest thing. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find the balance between, you know, explosion and what I did in the playoffs last year, being able to stay grounded because I had no choice, you know. So I fell in love with how I played in the playoffs as far as the pace and change and because I was like, you know, it's a, it's a sense of maturity for me. You know, I've been able to do one thing my whole life. So now I'm at a point where my elevation is back, my explosion is back. So how do I combine it? You know, and I, it took me a little while to get it figured out and I'm starting to find ways to, you know, change your pace and then attack, you know, look one way, attack this way, set up my explosions by doing – doing different things. Um, so just trying to find that balance, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, and not always just being in attack mode. You know who does 
he played against him and we played against him tonight. Eric Bledsoe does a phenomenal job of that. You know, he's a guy, he's, he's gotten older, but in, in, when he was in LA, especially I watch, I watch him, you know, why don't why, how he attacks when he was in Phoenix as well, just attacking that 45, attacking those gaps. And, you know, uh, it may seem random, but he's a guy that, that really can get downhill and use that explosiveness and use his body. So I'm trying to, you know, just incorporate that as well as being methodical with Arnold as well. A couple of weeks ago, you said you weren't ready to say that New Orleans game was a turning point. Are you ready to say that now? No, nah, because we have a lot more to do. Um, I think eight grim win streak is nice, um, but we got to keep it going. You know, at the end of the day, we just got to continue to play to play to play well. Um, it, it's 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 easy. it would be easy to say that, you know, but there's there's a lot more we can continue to build on and improve on. Um, I'm really happy with the, how the road trip ended. I don't think I spoke to you guys since then. Like that was that was impressive um, for us, just how we looked as a group. You know, to come back and respond the way we did tonight against team that beat us last year was was impressive as well. And you know, again, we got to get ready for a tough back to back coming up and to stay with it, man. That's it. You know, because we've done this. You know, we've 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 been the best in the regular season. We've we've played successfully. So now it's being now we're looking at little things. We want to be great, you know, but we want to be great in every facet. You know, we don't want to just have the best record. It's how can we be great in every single facet of the game. So um, once we have that great game, we've had really good games, but I can't say we've had a great game and I'm holding us. And I think we all are holding ourselves to a high standard because we understand, you know, we've been the best in the regular season, but we got to continue to build for the end of the road. It's a bunch of threes in the first half. Um, or, you know, when you start a game, does that change the way you approach the rest of the game? Uh, no, you know, continue to continue to be aggressive. You know, I had some success getting into the paint, and I was like, you know what, the shot's not falling. I took one deep one that I probably should have stepped in a little closer um, in the first in the first the first half. But outside of that, just continue to, to keep the defense on our heels and being able to shoot it, whether it goes in or not. You know, it it forces the, the bigs to be able to forces them to have to you know guard it. You know, because it's still a threat. And now you're able to get downhill and attack and you know, find teams and create for guys. You guys had numbers. Yeah, I think Rudy was open, you know, cutting by. I couldn't see because whoever was in front of me cut off my vision as I was going up. So I was like, you know, I told asked him after he was open, he said, yeah, but, you know, those are one of those where it's like you already, I already made my decision to go up. So at that point, you know, trying to throw it over is, is, a, is a tough one. I've made that pass, but, you know, I'm already committed to the shot. So, uh, but just move in, you know, if he closes, I go by him and get to the room. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I, I actually, yeah, a few times, a few times he has, but you know, bigs always feel like they're open. I think Hassan thinks he's open every play of the game, you know, so it's just, a, it's just a, it's a big thing, uh, for sure. What, did, what went right for you guys in that last seven minutes when you, know, you came in, the game was at seven, you hit that three, you push it to 10, and then all of a sudden you looked up and it was 22. Uh, we got stops and ran. Um, executed, you know, and I think, you know, when there was, when we were struggling early in this year, the one thing that was consistent that you all would say was, you know, we all saw was the final five to six minutes. We looked like a completely different team. So you, you look at how we played throughout three quarters. We played pretty solid. You know, they went on that 11-0. They went on a run earlier. I, I forgot when it was. And you come in the game and it's like, all right, like, you know, six, seven, seven minutes left, whatever, you know, that three kind of set the tone, come down, get a stop, come back, you know, continue to push the pace and not just walking the ball up and kind of being slow. We kind of got stops, we defended, we guarded, we rebounded, and we were able to push and extend it up. But um, do 
he's not a guy that like we know a lot about his personality, I guess, off the court. Even if like I mean, he's like quick to leave, gets dressed, leaves really fast, he leaves the practice facility as soon as you guys are done. What's he like? I mean, or do you not know he's there? I told you he's in the box. You know? He's just <laughs> sneaky. Now he's he's like a sneaky funny person. You know, he he comes in and um I don't know if you guys have seen Side Talk. You know, he's the second thing on Instagram, and he's the guy that always says, Beans, Rice, Jesus Christ, and Byron. Like, that's that's what he says every time. And I think that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. So, like, he's funny. You know, he's funny. He doesn't – when he speaks, it's like it's it's worth to listen. Um, he's He comes in. He's a pro. Um, plays through anything. Uh, sickness, tired, hurt. You know, he's a competitor. I have the ultimate, ultimate respect for him. It's funny. I've watched – him play in Brooklyn um, when I was not in the league. So it's it's pretty cool, like I said, to be able to have him on my team as well. But like I said, I wouldn't have known that he was this type of person. Um, he's 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 hilarious, man. But at the end of the day, he competes. He's a competitor, and we, we love him. Have you ever asked why he leaves so fast? No. You know, I might I might ask, like genuinely want to know, because I just figure he has some, some spot in Salt Lake that I, we don't know about that he takes his crew with and, and chills. Uh, but his crew, his crew is always with his, his group, his, his girl and his, his, his homies and all that. So, um, you know, they must have a spot out there that I don't, no one knows about that. He just goes to jail. <laughs> so a week ago in Minnesota, we've got a couple of Timberwolves talking about how Ruby's overrated defender tonight. We got Marcus Morris talking about how Ruby's actually the only guy on this team capable of defending anything. Why do you think you guys are like constantly kind of the subject of guys like, like that? He, so what did Marcus Morris say? He said that no one, he said that serious guys team is basically just no one can defend to funnel everything to Rudy and have him take care of everything for you. Um, well, I want to address that. Look, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, they want to, Rudy said it best, you know, they want to go ahead and say stuff. They, they can say, it, you know, just go out there and prove it. You know, <clears throat> like I said to you guys before, we've done a lot well in the regular season. We've done, we've been a pretty solid team, but now we got to go out there and prove it. And then this will stop. You know, it happened to Milwaukee, I think a few years ago, same, similar stuff. So at the end of the day, look, we got to go out there and just do it. You know, it's not about, you know, we can't look and say why are people doing this? Like they didn't want to say it, they let them say it. I don't, I don't think any of us really care. It's just a matter of now, you know, we just got to go out there and just, prove when it's time, you know, continue to build upon the regular season, continue to win, continue to find our build good habits. And when it comes time, it's, it's time, you know, and I think, like, I think we have a group to do it and we got to go out there and show it. Otherwise, you know, I mean, you heard it on TNT when Chuck said we were going to, you know, win everybody sucked their teeth, you know, it is what it is. You know, we got to go out there as a group and win straight up. Like, you know, um, I think we all feel that way and, Lights like tonight in the past eight games look phenomenal. We're building great habits, and we just got to keep building as a group, and we should be good. There's Donovan Mitchell, 27 points, six assists, two steals from Donovan. Great night. He did it on 10 of 15 shooting. Incredibly efficient. He was 8 of 8 for non-three-point shots. What a night from uh, Donovan Mitchell. Up next for the Utah Jazz, they take on the Spurs here at Vivint Arena. Coming up tomorrow night, that game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.